Chapter 8 Jada adjusted her floral dress in front of the mirror wall, glancing at Legius as he changed his suit in silence. When he peeked at her, her heart quickened. It always did to the memories of their passionate lovemaking in that very spot. The will crashed around Jada when Legius immediately looked away without issuing his usual seductive compliments. It was the only confirmation Jada needed. Legius had heard what transpired between her and Milo. Is everything okay, my love? Jada carefully pressed, hoping to reveal his intentions. She had asked him the night before when he'd come to bed quite late, and his only response was, I didn't mean to wake you. Get some rest. Now, as he looked back at her with a foreign glaze over his eyes, he merely muttered, My apologies. A lot is happening at the headquarters. You don't want to talk about it? A hint of desperation echoed in Jada's voice. She hoped to remind Legis of their connection by alluding to how much he loved being able to vent to her about the city's affairs. Perhaps then he would withhold the wrath she was certain would soon unfold. Instead, he walked up to her and rested a heavy hand on her shoulder, saying, Not this time, before abruptly leaving the room. Fear under the guise of angry tears filled Jada's eyes as she stared at herself in the mirror. As much as she was dedicated to the cause shared with Zora and Vlad, a large part of her mourned the simpler life she'd led only a week ago. She'd only had one thing to hide, hearing Jael, and she'd managed to do that from everyone all of her life. She and Legis were as happy as one could hope for in the Sky Colonies. At the very least, she hadn't been facing public torture and death. Jada had never witnessed the punishment of execution by Skyfall. Her only recollections were the ones Legis had spoken of under his purview. He told her about the heart-wrenching begging and wails that arose from the criminals as the forces walked them to the edge. With each step, the chains grew tauter as those assigned soon had to drag the perpetrators along and eventually push them over the ledge. You'd think their screams would stop after some seconds of falling as they accepted their fate, but every single time they wailed and floundered all the way down, Legis once heartlessly recalled with a shrug. Doesn't it feel a little bit wrong? Jada had asked, to push them over the edge like that. Do you ever feel it's more like murder than divine punishment? Oh, absolutely not, Legis had huffed. A priestess once told me that Jael spoke to her just as I'd personally pushed a perpetrator. Jael wanted me to know how pleased she was with me. Sometimes I think I can almost feel how honored I am by Jael for this work. Not everyone is cut out for it, you know. Jada shuddered as she cleaned up her streaked face. She tried to reject the slowly warping recollection in which she became the one Legis had coldly pushed to her death. Releasing a long, hard exhalation, Jada nodded to herself and turned. It was time to fetch Milo so they could join Legis and head to the palace. Upon opening the door to her room, Jada saw her fair's reflection radiating in Milo's eyes. She reached forward and gently squeezed the junior's hand, whispering, Together. The look on Vlad's face at the sight of Legis entering the dining room was one he did not have a chance to hide. Zora managed her shock much better under a mask of indignation. Not skipping a beat as the haughty royal she was supposed to be, Zora got up and walked towards them remarking, Well, what can a lady do to have a luncheon with my new girl toys? Must you men crash every one of our parties? Legis seemed genuinely taken aback as he rose from his bow. He stammered, Lady Tamina. I did not know this was that sort of invitation. He shot Jada a confused and then insistent look, signaling her to clear things up. It is my fault, 
Jada immediately began. I didn't mention that it was only to be us women, as the last time his supremacy Vlad was also present. I assumed it would be the same. Naturally, I hoped to give his supremacy the pleasure of male company to alleviate the stress of being outnumbered once again. Jada stared at Zora with a subtle sense of helplessness that shut a pang of fear in Zora's heart. Before that point, she'd assumed that Legis had taken advantage of an opportunity to smooth with the king. The barely perceptible shift in Jada's face said otherwise. Zora knew that look so well from when they were little girls. Being the more adventurous one, Zora often snuck out at night to hang with some of the wayward children in the capital. One morning, as she sat for breakfast, with Jada already seated with their parents, their mother Quipper asked a direct question about when she'd gone to bed. Jada's face was a statue of forced stoicism under their father's watchful gaze. Still, her eyes faintly revealed the truth. She'd been without excuse for Zora when their parents had stormed into their room the night before. Zora didn't even try to deny her whereabouts after that, but she did claim it had been her first and last moonlit outing. Well, Zora smiled at Jada with a nod. You were quite smart to drag him along as my brother did once again find himself unusually bored in the middle of the day for a king. Vlad, who'd still been silently raging at the head of the table, finally shook himself out of it and joined in on the feigned fun. Oh, I would never give up an opportunity to torture you, little sis. But Legis, thank the goddess you came. I didn't realize how much I needed a fellow man to get me through this until you showed up. Legis, seeming a bit more comfortable by the king's response, bowed again with a smile. Join me, Vlad continued, allowing the briefest of seconds for the ladies to exchange a quick word. Zora quickly and quietly asked but one thing. He knows something? Jada and Milo nodded, and that was all Zora needed. For the rest of the lunch, they focused on entertaining Legis to minimize the suspicion he likely had about the royals. Vlad and Zora were their worst selves, putting on a show of callousness and arrogance until Legis seemed a tad drained. Then, Zora made the bold move of insisting on a little of the girl time she'd intended while Vlad and Legis kept each other company. It was clear that Legis longed to oppose this, but no one could tell whether it was because of his tiredness or distrust. Ushering the ladies out of the room before he could suggest otherwise, Zora closed the door behind them and hurried Jada and Milo to her quarters. What happened? Zora cried as soon as they were secluded. Jada and Milo took turns telling the story of Milo's report to High Priestess Elian and the interruption of High Priest Toma after Jael spoke with clear instructions on the next step in freeing the city. Then they recalled the untimely entrance of Legis into Milo's tale. So we don't know how much he heard, but let's assume the worst, Zora began with narrowed eyes. He now knows that Jael speaks to Milo as she openly recounted what Jael told her about Toma. But not you, Jada. He doesn't know Jael speaks to you. That's a good thing. Somehow, in all the panic, it hadn't occurred to Jada that nothing about the unfortunate event incriminated her. A small sob of relief escaped her lips as she breathed. I thought he was merely choosing the best time to cart me off to the skyfall. Oh, Jada. Zora pulled her in for a tight embrace. No, that's not happening. But he may know your plans were to report this back to Vlad and, well, someone named Zora, who clearly isn't me because I'm Tamina. Zora laughed at the incredulous nature of it all, but stopped when she saw the look on Jada's face. Except he knows my sister's name was Zora. Legis shifted uncomfortably in his seat as Vlad chucked down the remaining wine in his glass. While being in the presence of royalty was enough to evoke a sense of nervous queasiness due to the vast difference in station, this time was different. This time, Legis needed to be confident and forthright if he were about to achieve the unthinkable. Ha, Legis, Vlad grinned. Thank you again for crashing the lunch and not leaving me in the insufferable hands of my sister. 
Lee just nodded and shifted awkwardly again. He tried to open his mouth to speak, but it remained ajar and silent until Vlad screwed his face at Legis's odd expression. Are you uncomfortable? Perhaps you prefer the lady's presence over mine? Vlad's chuckle held a slight jeer in it. Legis continued to stare at him while trying to find the will to speak. Then, in somewhat rushed and hushed tones, Legis blurted, Your supremacy, I... There is something I need to ask you. It may be of importance to the security of the capital. Vlad paused the refilling of his glass and grew a bit serious. Well, what is it? I might have, uh... Legis's stammering evoked an impatient sound from Vlad which loosened the commander's tongue perhaps a bit too much. I know something is going on with you and Jada and Milo and, well, someone else, someone impossible because, well, she's dead or she's supposed to be. Vlad's entire body tensed with each of Legis's babbling words. Controlling his reaction, Vlad didn't confirm or deny Legis's statements. Instead, he merely muttered, Go on. I also know Milo hears Jael, and I overheard something highly doubtful from her yesterday that, well, the High Priestess Elian might be, uh, torturing someone called a city? That she and High Priest Toma are torturing the city to hear what Jael says, which made no sense. So I thought maybe I'd heard it wrong. I only caught a few moments of the conversation between Milo and Jada, but one thing was clear. They were going to report this back to you. I must admit that I was shocked you were using my wife as, well, some kind of reporting person, and Milo is what, your spy? In the order? Still, I couldn't be certain that anything I overheard was true, so I put my most trusted men on, well, a top-secret surveillance mission yesterday, and, um, it turns out, uh, there is a lot about the order we don't know. Vlad did his best to appear unmoved, but he needed to get to the bottom of Legis's confession and intention. After taking a deep and exasperated breath, Vlad drawled, You said there was something you wanted to ask me, and I still can't decipher what exactly is your question. Legis adjusted himself in his seat once more. He cleared his throat and looked directly at Vlad. The Order has been lying to us, all of us. The one thing I cannot stand in this world is deceit. The forces have long obeyed the Order's instructions, but I want to be a part of your mission to expose them. Whatever your plans are, I will back them with my access as the commander of the forces. I believe I can make a great ally in what I've assumed is your quest, but if you do allow me to come on board, my only request is that you exclude Jada from this mission. It is too dangerous for her, and she is too soft for matters like these. The burden it must have been for her to have kept this secret from me. I'm sure at your command... Legis sighed. Your supremacy, I love her. Please allow me to protect my wife while taking her place and serving your cause. Zigil threw open the door and flew into Elian's quarters, startling the high priestess as she shouted, They're back at the palace again! Milo too! Something's going on! Elian sighed and held her head. An instant headache pounded her thoughts. Zigil, you cannot just barge in. But it's an emergency! the junior protested. Except I already know they're there because I have people assigned to them. Elian's voice grew in annoyance. The question is, what were you doing there? Why are you spying on Milo? If this is another one of your stupid, childish competition... It isn't, Zigil exclaimed. All I ever tried to do is prove myself to you and all you ever do is choose everyone else above me. Because you are my granddaughter. How would it look if I were to favor you over everyone at every given opportunity? Name one, grandmother. Name one time you have ever favored me. Elian stood and loomed over Zigil. Little girl, 
The very fact that you were given a place among my special task force should be enough for you to know that your place is safe among the Order so long as I am alive and in charge. Remarkably, the junior refused to back down. And what if you die? Why not give me my place and authority now so that I can be of use to you and the Order no matter what happens? Elian tried to slow her breathing as she sat back down in her chair. Sigil had been an addition to a life that she hadn't exactly wanted. Elian's late husband, Job, had found her in a meeting to inform her that their daughter, Elsie, had died in childbirth. Elian was thrust into the role of being a mother once again. She hated the task. She'd ensured from the time Zigil could understand words that she knew Elian was her grandmother and nothing more. Zigil had been a lonely girl. Elian had been too high in her position to form casual relationships with the parents of the children around Zigil's age. Instead, Elian relied heavily on Job's assistance to watch the child while she attended to the matters of the order. When Job passed away from natural causes a mere seven years after Zigil was born, Elian was forced to be more for Zigil. She abhorred every moment of it. Zigil loved her grandmother. She also despised her. Job had been the one to make her feel like she was a welcome part of the family. He told her stories of Elsie from when she was Zigil's age. He often spoke of how much it meant to him to have a piece of Elsie because of her. Job did everything possible to keep her mother's memory alive. Elian had never once mentioned Elsie's name, no matter how many questions Zigil asked. After a few years of rejection and dejection, Zigil stopped asking. Instead, she focused on becoming someone of worth to her grandmother. Elian was notoriously difficult to please, but those who pleased her were more than welcome into her elite fold. Zigil wanted nothing more than to be seen in the way Elian viewed her most devoted followers. Still, as Elian glared at her now with unconcealed irritation, that dream felt further away from her grasp. Indeed, Elian was rather annoyed. It was difficult to face the reason. As she considered the 17-year-old junior in front of her, Elian remembered her insecurities at that age. They shared the same incessant need to prove that they were Giles' favorites among their fellow juniors. Zigil might as well have been her replica, which only served to further trigger Elian. Suddenly, the rolling eyes and purposeful exclusions from the juniors back then made all the sense in the world when she saw, through Zigil's behavior, how she would have come across. It occurred to Elian then that if they shared so many similarities, they likely also shared the same pains. It grieved her to know the depths of Zigil's loneliness, as had also been her own. She didn't want to be softer on Zigil because of it, but Elian wondered if, perhaps, a balance could be found. Finally, Elian addressed Zigil's request. I will give you one chance to prove yourself. Right here, right now. If you can provide me with intel that is groundbreaking or exceedingly useful to my cause, you shall have your place among my closest circle with immediate effect. Zigil's breath quickened at the glimmer of hope. She banged her brain over all she had seen and heard and overheard. Nothing potent enough came to mind. Her grandmother had far too many spies spread throughout the sky colonies. Sigil had even once tried accessing information from Ego, only to find out one of her grandmother's most trusted priestesses had already sent in a report. Sigil had been three months late, and the laughing stuck of the inner circle. Just as she was about to give up and saunter sadly out of the room, Sigil suddenly remembered how Milo had shuddered just before Toma had crashed into Elian's office. She didn't know what it meant, but with the possibility that it did mean something big, she could simply pretend. Sigil smiled at Elian and casually offered, Well, there is one groundbreaking and exceedingly useful thing I know. I guess it is time I tell you, now that there is a guaranteed place in your circle in exchange. 
Your sweet junior, Milo, who you think I obsess about? The only reason I've been spying on her grandmother is because she also has the shudderings. You know, the same ones at the same time as Toma. With the appalling and paling look that instantly overcame Alien's face, Zijil knew she'd finally earned her place. Tamina lifted her head to the sky and howled menacingly to the shrieks of her creatures. Blood stained the dusty road around them as she leaned back upon one of the piles of bodies they'd stacked in the streets. Annihilating their first small village in the Earth colonies had been a success. In the waves of pure, unadulterated hate, men, women, and children were suffocated and crushed by Tamina and her creatures. It had begun to fill a void inside Tamina that she didn't know she had, an unending hunger with an exclusive need for bloodshed. A red trickle crawled along her body as her victim's blood ran into grooves on the road. Tamna felt an indescribable pull towards it, unconsciously moving her hand and dipping her finger into its thick warmth. Lifting her coated finger up to her eyes, she stared at it for minutes, mesmerized by how it stained her soul. Her creatures seemed to notice the new fascination and drew nearer to Tamina. Together they drifted down to her in billowing darkness, wrapping their human-like hands around her forearm to push her finger closer to her mouth. A shot of panic radiated through Tamina when she realized what they were asking her to do. She shook her head as a slight wave of nausea overcame her. I can't. Feed, the creatures moaned, as if tantalized by her damning exploration. Then they snuggled their black forms into her with beastly possession, placing their cold bodies upon hers. Feed, they whispered, gently refocusing Tamina's attention on her reddened finger. The blood was now quite dry and a little flaky with specks of dust from the road. Still, her stomach grumbled in rolls of increasing pain as though this vile desire was now a crucial need. Tamina could no longer resist. She plunged her finger into her mouth, the metallic taste jolting and then slightly alleviating her excruciating hunger. It was her first taste of anything other than the strange substances the creatures had poured into her. After ten long years without human food, human blood tasted like nectar. Tamina had become a creature, not in form but in spirit. Yet tremendously, she was the only one from whom Jael had never pulled away her voice. It rang through in Tamina's lowest moments, and this most damning one was no exception. There is still hope. Tamina screamed at the sound of Jael, and the excited creatures rushed to feed off her body's reactive sparks. Stop speaking to me, Tamina cried into the air. I want nothing to do with you or your hope. She lost herself in the piles of bodies then, suddenly aware of how starved she'd been for the past decade. She couldn't stop to think about what she was doing. She was too afraid to acknowledge that her darkness had sunk to a new low. Instead, with every taste she got and every body she defiled, her mind hardened against any further place for her humanity. As the hours passed with the falling of the sun, she became much unlike herself. Just one more, she murmured uncontrollably while yanking the final body from the bottom of the pile. A familiar white-blue light and monotone drone came from behind Tamina. She only slightly looked up from her blood feed when a voice called out, Oh my, my dear Tamina, I thought this was meant to be the beginning of Giles' War of Wars, but instead it appears to have been quite an easy extermination for you. Tamina rose to her feet after taking her time to finish, wiping the blood from her grinning lips. She slowly turned to face Alien. 
As if you expected anything else.